You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. Over the last couple of days since the news of this U Darvish trade has become public, I've been watching the reaction from Cubs fans. And I think that it's it's a legitimately angry bunch of fans that are looking at this and saying, what just happened? I'm going to try, because over the last couple of days, whether I've been talking to people or just listening and reading a lot of stuff about this deal, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I have no idea about the farm system of the San Diego Padres. None. What I do know is it seems like from people who do have a better sense of what's going on inside the San Diego Padres farm system that the Cubs didn't really get a lot back for you, Darvish. And by a lot back... They didn't get anyone that jump starts if you think that this is a rebuild that the Cubs are going through. There isn't a centerpiece for it. And I think that's what bothers a lot of fans, that if you were going to get one of the top prospects from the Padres and that was the price that you had to pay along with the salary that you're trying to dump with you Darvish then I think that people would be okay with it I think that a part of the issue is a lot of fans are having a hard time squaring the circle on is this team trying to compete right now or is this team starting to rebuild now before I I started recording the podcast I was following Jed Hoyer on the zoom where he was talking about this and the, the the phrase that's been used over the last couple of years and definitely the last few months in talking about how to rebuild the Cubs is threading the needle. What the bear with the Bears, I can't believe I just said Bears, what the Cubs are going to try and do is they're going to try and be as competitive as they can be in 2021 while also restocking the minor league system. If you look at the guys that they got back, they got back a bunch of teenagers with traits. And that, unless unless you're Fernando Tatis Jr., don't expect these guys to be major league players. And Jed himself said that their development doesn't really jibe with our competitive window that we that we're in. I saw Ryan Davis 
who does a great job covering the Cubs and does the Locked On Cubs podcast, bring this up. The idea of, well, okay, these guys are not going to be on the 2021 or even 22 Cubs, but maybe they are part of a package that gets you a better prospect down the line. That's possible, I guess, but... I don't think that it's enough solace for Cubs fans right now. You know what I keep thinking about and what I keep going back to over the last couple of days? I wonder what the internal audit of the Cubs 2020 season was. And I don't know if you would ever get, I mean, it'd have to be, a scenario where you're having a drink with Jed or Theo or Rossi. Because what I keep thinking is, over a 60-game schedule, the Cubs were able to sustain that level of play. Like, they were good enough. They kind of got out, jumped out to a a really fast start, which in a 60-game season is great. And then they kind of coasted into winning the division. I wonder what the projections would have been on this team were they playing a 162-game schedule. That's where I keep coming back to. When they looked at what they had and the seasons that players had, and it's hard to quantify anything that happened in 2020 because of all of the different things that we don't need to repeat. You're going through them, too. It wasn't just baseball players. It's everybody is going through all of this stuff. But I wonder if in their look at what they had in 2020, if they felt like we didn't, we had the season been a regular season, had it been 162 games, we don't think that Chris Bryant would have bounced back. Or we don't think that Anthony Rizzo or or Javi Baez would have bounced back. We kept waiting throughout the season. This was a refrain of a lot of people around the Cubs and Cubs fans. And let's not forget that they won their division. But everyone kept waiting for all of those players to get back to who they were. The, The back of the baseball card discussion came up quite a bit in 2020. And it just never seemed like there were going to be guys that were going to get there. So now what happens? Like, what's next? How, where, where do the Cubs go from here? And I think that it's interesting. A lot of people have brought this up. Did Theo leave at the right time? No one has ever confused Theo with someone who's dumb. And what I kept thinking about when he left, and I think I got this wrong, I thought that the finances of baseball that he had talked about in his letter to fans and the press conference that he had, in my mind, I thought he was talking about the shrinking of the baseball operation. The shrinking of the department that he overran or oversaw. And, and that being a reason that he didn't want to do this under these circumstances. I think that that played a role 
and why Theo walked away from being the president of baseball operations for the Cubs. But I don't think I gave enough credit to exactly how much money the Cubs weren't going to spend on baseball operations. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm splitting the baby here. Initially, what I was talking about was the infrastructure of the baseball operation. Now, I'm also talking about that money being reinvested in the team, the guys that are on the field. And I remember the conversations that we were having, and this kind of sheds light on where the Cubs are as an organization right now. When Theo left, what were some of the things that we were talking about? We were talking about a guy that makes $10 million a year and then wondering is that $10 million minus what they pay Jed to take over for Theo, is that money going to find its way on the field? Same thing with Kyle Schwarber. You say, okay, well, the Cubs saved $8 million on Kyle Schwarber. Does that turn into a bunch of other players? Do, do, is there a reinvestment? Does it give them an opportunity to go and find someone? And so far, the answers have been no. And I understand every Cub fan that is sitting here going, what are they, what are they trying to sell us? You're, one of the biggest problems that Jed is going to have is no one has enough evidence that he knows what he's doing I don't mean that to be flippant I think that Jed is a really smart guy and every time whether it's at the ballpark or on the radio show that I've had an opportunity to talk with him I feel like he is someone who knows what's going on the problem is is that he doesn't have any credibility with Cub fans and this is kind of this is kind of the the beginning of how he's going to relate to Cubs fans as the guy in charge. I want to be very careful and I want to make sure that we give this guy an opportunity to do his vision of the Cubs. But early on, that vision of the Cubs seems pretty ugly. And it seems like all the things that you saw in 2011, 12, 13. And again, they, there's no credit that's been built up. It's no fault of Jed's. It's just that almost everyone, even though Jed had the general manager title, believes that Theo was the person that was constructing all of this that he was the architect of everything that the Cubs were doing so he's got to fight on a couple of fronts Jed's got to do kind of a charm campaign and I know that as someone who hosts a radio show him being on my radio show was part of that and I think that he came across really well like I'm aware of the role that I play in this stuff but when it comes to the moves matching the charm offensive that Jed has to go on 
he's got a lot of work to do. There's been a comfort in competition for Cubs fans over the last few years. And now it's uncomfortable because you're looking at a team and you're saying, I don't know if my team can compete. And it feels like, I I think it's going to be really hard for Jed to convince anybody with the rhetoric that Tom Ricketts has put out there publicly that these moves are not financially motivated. That the Darvish move, a guy that is, who finished second in the Heisman voting last year, that it wasn't financially motivated. More than one thing can be true. Like it could be them wanting to restock their farm system and be financially motivated. But I know that you can't convince me that you weren't saving $60 million. And you look at the the return that you got back with the Padres picking up 100% of the salary, that meant that you weren't going to get the pick of the litter when it came to their draft picks. It feels... The Cubs right now feel very small market. And who would have thought that after the renaissance of the Cubs that this is where they would be? And over the the next couple of weeks, as more and more moves happen, and Jed said today that the, the, the stuff about Wilson Contreras wasn't true. Okay. And there's a parsing that goes on now where you're... You're parsing, are we shopping someone versus are we taking phone calls on someone? And he said that there have been phone calls about players, but they're not shopping them. Whatever. Just know that it's hard for Cubs fans to go back to the way things were. And asking them to go back is going to be a difficult task. So good luck to them. But there is an an angry group of Cub fans, and I completely understand their anger, especially when it's a player. Let me just speak on Darvish for a second. A player that they were kind of predisposed to disliking because of the big contract and him being injured in that first year. Then we found out about the Astro scandal. Then in the second half of the 2019 season, he turned into this unhittable force And in the 2020 season, we got to see you, Darvish, be one of the more dominant guys in professional baseball. I think that Cubs fans turned around on him in a good way, that they were like, use our guy now. And for the Cubs to trade him hurts because of the emotional investment into a player that you were starting to really, really like. Overcoming that for Jed and the Cubs is going to be a very difficult thing. I'm curious to see how it goes. Thanks for listening.